Welcome to Voices from the Cathedral, a podcast that brings you sermons from the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City. On Sunday, July 12th, the Reverend Canon Patrick Malloy, subdean of the Cathedral, reflected on the parable of the sower and its resonance with the uncertainties of contemporary life, including the difficult questions raised by the murder of George Floyd and the growth of the Black Lives Matter movement. If you downloaded the PDF of today's order of worship, or maybe you're actually following along today uh, in your Bible, you will know that there's a huge hole in the middle of the gospel we just read. Um, We're reading now the 13th chapter of Matthew, and today we heard the first nine verses, and then we skipped nine verses, and then we finished off with uh, verses 18 to 23 in the 13th chapter of Matthew. So let's talk first about what we did here, but also let's then circle back and talk about what we missed. So Matthew tells us that Jesus has a parable for us today. And one of the things about Jesus' parables is that they always lead us down this this path and then they make an unexpected turn. They take us someplace where we didn't see ourselves going. Uh, Things don't go the way any reasonable person uh, would think they should go. And and you know how the parables work. You know them. So you know the parable of the workers in the field. They start at the end of the day, and not only do they get paid as much as the workers who started at sunrise, but the workers who started last get paid first. And you know the story of the son, oftentimes called the prodigal son, who squanders his inheritance on wine and women. And then he gets the big welcome home party instead of a scolding. Uh, you know the parable of the of the woman who spends the entire day uh, sweeping her house, turning everything upside down, looking for a penny she lost, when with all of that time and effort, she could have gone out and earned a lot more money than that penny. So in Jesus' parables, it's never how you would expect it to be. Uh, it's like Jesus wants to tell us these stories that ultimately are meant to shake things up. And Jesus tells one of these stories after another in the gospels. And so when you add them all together, um, you're left with at least this, and that is however you think things are, uh, they probably actually are another way entirely. And however you think God is, God probably is another way entirely than what you think. So the parables make us look at the world with wonder and with awe Uh, Maybe you could say with curiosity. Um, They make us realize that the way we think things are is not at all the way they really are. Um, And Jesus' life was a parable. Jesus' life was a parable lived out. And we see that most when we stand at the foot of Jesus' cross. Uh, This is a story that looks like it's all about death and defeat. But then it takes a turn that no one saw coming. And then there's life and there's victory. So we who believe stand before the cross, not horrified, um, but amazed, just amazed. And so a sower goes out to sow. And wouldn't you think that the sower would aim for good soil? That's what any sower would do, but that's not what this sower does. 
He just throws the seed everywhere. It's like this sower has an endless supply of seed or endless money. So the seed just goes everywhere. And there was no such sower that any of Jesus' first audience knew. And there's no such sower that any of us in Jesus' audience today knows. Uh, the seed just goes everywhere. And then Jesus says that anyone with ears should listen. And so we need to listen. If you downloaded the PDF of today's order of worship, or if you're following through in the Bible, you know about that huge hole. What's most interesting to me is that huge hole, what's left out in the middle part. Um, it's what our ancestors in 1979 decided when they put this lectionary together. So what happens in that hole? So the disciples take Jesus aside after he tells this story. And he asks, they ask him why he tells people these confusing stories rather than just making his point. And what Jesus says to them is actually rather troubling. Jesus tells them that people by and large are either too dense or too corrupt to understand what he has to say. So he just tells them confusing stories. And then Jesus goes on to deconstruct his story, to deconstruct his parable. He, he tames it. Um, he goes on to completely gloss over how puzzling this whole thing really is. And Jesus turns it into an allegory. You know how an allegory works. This means that. Everything means something else. And everything ends up perfectly neat. That's what we hear at the end. Um, all the synoptic gospels say that Jesus did this. It's not only Matthew, but Mark and Luke say that Jesus deconstructed the story too. But every biblical scholar I could find, and I looked at a lot, uh, every single one says that, that they doubt that Jesus actually did deconstruct the parable the way the evangelists say he did it. Um, it was they who deconstructed it. It was they who put these words into Jesus' mouth because it was they and not the outsiders who didn't understand what Jesus was trying to do. Jesus was telling them a story to stir things up and they needed to tame the story. They needed to tidy it up. They needed to make it more reasonable. They needed to fix it so it was no longer so unsettling. And so they made it tidy so that they didn't have to struggle with the world that Jesus was describing, a world where things are not the way that his disciples thought they should be. So let's forget the end of this and let's stick with how Jesus actually told the story. So a sower went out to sow and he threw the seed everywhere like he had no sense and like he had no plan. And then all sorts of things happened. Um, you would assume that he really wanted to throw the seed only on the good soil, uh, that he wanted a huge harvest and that the seed that didn't produce much was a huge mistake. It was just bad aim. But, but, you know, that really doesn't give this sower enough credit. Uh, no one throws seed around that way without meaning to throw it everywhere. We don't know in this story what was in the sower's mind. We don't know whether the seed that landed on the path and among the weeds and in the gravel actually landed exactly where he wanted it to land. All we know is that a sower went out to sow and... I don't see any reason to think that he was a dope. So somewhere, somewhere in the middle of the second century, 
um, not much more than a hundred years after the crucifixion and glorification of Jesus, a man named Tertullian was born in Africa. Tertullian was a Christian when Christianity was young. He was a Christian when being a Christian was dangerous. Uh, he was one of the earliest Christian theologians after the time of the theologians whose work we eventually collected together into what we call the New Testament. So one of Tertullian's most widely quoted dictums, um, one of his early sayings that people who know much about church history know is this. Tertullian said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The seed of the church. Listen, Jesus says to us, listen. A sower went out to sow. Listen, Tertullian says to us, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So I wonder, given the time in which he lived, what happened in Tertullian's heart and in his mind when he heard the story of the sower just throwing seed everywhere with wild abandon. Remember what he said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And so Tertullian could look at the blood of the martyrs pouring out onto the ground and the ashes of the martyrs falling to the ground as their bodies burned and the bodies of the martyrs being laid into the ground. And Tertullian saw what no reasonable person would see. He saw seed being sown. He saw seed that no reasonable person would even have seen as seed. He saw seed being sown by a wild sower, and it was seed that seemed destined to amount to nothing. But from the seed grew the church. So these parables of Jesus, the parables make us look at the world with wonder and with awe, and maybe you could say with curiosity. Things are so often more in Jesus' stories than what they seem. Um, they might, may not even be at all what they seem to be. And so we have to stand and be amazed, just as we stand before the cross and are amazed. And so we hear this story today. There's new blood now. There are new ashes. There are new bodies being laid in the ground. And it's been that way for a very long time. For a very long time, not much happened, at least not much that made much of a difference. But then came George Floyd. And every one of us can see him there on the ground in Minneapolis, being laid on the ground even before he died. And all at once, after centuries of seed, after seed, after seed being sown, something took root and something shot up. And some of it amounted to nothing. Some of it was short-lived. And some of it was intentionally choked off. And some of it we can only hope will yield fruit beyond our imagining. But, but I have to be careful here because now I'm coming close to doing what our first ancestors did. I'm coming close to turning this parable into an allegory. 
So let me tell you one thing that's happening in my mind right now that maybe will stop me from turning this parable into an allegory, um, that will stop me from giving myself the false comfort of thinking I have it all figured out. So New York is emerging now from the shutdown. It's not entirely emerging, thank God. We're still being careful, but it's emerging some. And it's emerging enough that on a sunny day now, I'll take a walk. The early days of our new freedom came right after the George Floyd marches. And right after the riots and the violence they spawned. There wasn't a lot of violence. There really wasn't, but there was some. Uh, the broken plate glass windows that I see now when I go on my walks and the boarded up buildings and the ugly graffiti. I tell you, it's really hard to see. It was very hard to see the first time I took one of those walks. Because of the pandemic, the city was already so broken and so crushed that it was hard to see it beaten down even more. But I've come to wonder if all of that was not part of what has to be for us to move on to the next thing. I'm not an anarchist. If you know me, you know I like order. But I've come to wonder if those riots were not part of what has to be in order for the next thing to come. So a sower went out to sow. And the seed flew everywhere. It flew onto the gravel, it flew onto the footpath, it flew into the weeds, and some of it flew on top of rich topsoil. And it seemed like madness. And maybe it was. You just have to wonder what's going on in a story like that. And I just have to wonder what's going on today. And I don't want to do what our ancestors did and to try to tame the story. And that's not to say that violence is a value I would ever espouse. It's only to say I have to accept that I really can't understand any of this in a linear, rational way. I can't understand really what's happening before my eyes. And so wonder and curiosity seem wiser at this point, at least to me, than analysis and certainty. If Jesus' blood pouring down upon the ground from the cross could give us life, and if the blood of the martyrs pouring down upon the ground could be the seed of the church. I wonder what the death of George Floyd and all the others can be. And I wonder how it will happen now. I, I just wonder. It's tempting to dissect it. It's tempting to look at the body cam video over and over to see who was really at fault. It's tempting to separate the good protesters from the bad protesters. It's tempting to divide the people with selfless motives from the people who really are just opportunists. And of course we have to do all of that. We, we really do. For the sake of common order and for the sake of integrity and for the sake of our sanity, we have to do all of that. But even while we're doing all of that, we would be missing a tremendous opportunity if we were to think that we've got it all figured out that this means that, that this means this, and then we're done with the story. Wonder and awe and curiosity, those are Christian values. Our master teaches them to us when he tells us stories that never ever go the way 
that we think they should go and where nothing really is what it actually seems to be. Amen. Thanks for listening to Voices from the Cathedral. The Cathedral of St. John the Divine is the Cathedral of the Episcopal Diocese of New York. It is chartered as a house of prayer for all people and a unifying center of intellectual light and leadership. People from many faiths and communities gather here to worship together, provide meals for the hungry, educate our youth, and host concerts, exhibitions, performances, and civic gatherings. You can find us online at stjohndivine.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at St. John Divine NYC. That's S-T-J-O-H-N-N-Y-C. Check back soon for another episode.